Welcome to Timberwolves, the podcast, your friendly neighborhood radioactive do-gooders. Toasted by myself and my brother, I'm Neil. I'm Scott. Welcome to episode 16. It's all going down. My spidey senses are tingling. That's right. Spider-Man in the house. We got a, we got a friendly radioactive show for you. We'll have a bonus segment where I'll express <laughs> my strong opinions about Spider-Man. I was talking about it on Twitter earlier, but let's talk about the Timberwolves instead. Yeah, let's talk, we let's still talk have wolves. Them. Let's talk wolves. We're quote-unquote in the dog days. Of, of the NBA season right now, Scott. That's that's what's happening right now. I don't think of it as that. But no. I mean, many years it has been that, but it doesn't feel like that way right now. Actually, uh, there's been a lot of years. I remember one of them was like... like couple of the Kevin Love years where we didn't win like any games in March where like it was just like March has always been a brutal month for us it seems yeah and this was a, a, a really good March yeah. actually I had a lot of fun I, I love the new starting lineup yep um, lots of big wins we've really just sacrificed our defense for offense so uh, that's I think that's true but at the same time offense is way more fun to watch I spend too much it's of way the, more entertaining I spend too much of the calendar year like waiting for the NBA and like those are the proper dog days you can't have dog days when in season like that's you can't have that that's well i think that's not how it is part of that is usually this time of year it still feels like the dead of winter or at least there's tons of snow and it's like just this dirty brown to black (laughs) slush that's on every curb and it it just makes everything gray for the whole month of march and we don't have that this year all the snow's melted already all of it's gone and we've getting really warm weather for all of our international fans who aren't here yeah it's beautiful it's it's beautiful in minnesota i think that changes it too (laughs) you know uh uh, the number of beautiful springs we've had since Carl Anthony Towns has joined the team, we're one of one, hundred percent, one for one. Thanks, Cat, for bringing the good weather. We'll uh, we'll tribute you on that one. Yep, there's definitely not a scientific reason for Scott, it. Scott, let's start uh, today's show by talking about Ricky Rubio, uh, our favorite uh, NBA writer Zach Lowe, formerly of Grantland, still oh, hanging about, on on ESPN.com. He started with our favorite NBA, and I was like, point guard, our favorite Player? NBA, our favorite NBA. Is he your favorite NBA writer? I think. He's my favorite NBA writer. I well, mean, Zach Bert, Lowe's my favorite NBA yeah, writer. Yeah, that's who we're talking about. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah. Britt Robinson's my favorite uh, Wolves writer. Yep, f- f- local scribe. And, you know, I think that his uh, his uh, Brits writing yeah. is a little bit more poetic at times. Yes. I, I like what... Uh, reading it stylistically a little bit more because uh, Zach is just nuts and bolts. But, it's more uh, poetry, whereas Zach Lowe is, yeah, like you said, it nuts feels and conversa- bolts, X and O's. It kind of feels conversational with yes. Zach, and I, that's what, the reason why he's my favorite NBA writer. So Zach Lowe wrote a um, column last week, uh, mainly um, kind of brought on by the, the the rumors and the, you know, what's probably true, that the Timberwolves and uh, Bucks had uh, trade deadline uh, negotiations. Zach Lowe uh, seems dialed in. Yeah. And he, John Krasinski reported the Middleton thing like right. before the low thing. So I think the the question is, you know, what we'll never know is who contacted who, who called who yep. first. Milt said that he didn't make any calls about trades. He only took calls about trades. So if you want to believe Milt, but he's the one you probably believe the least because he has the most, you know, he's the most biased in the sense. But yeah. both the teams are spinning it and agents spin it. So who knows where it's coming from? But yeah, uh, that, that, that's, that we matter. shouldn't even worry about yeah, that. It doesn't matter. You'll I never think, get to the bottom of that. I think the important thing about it is that Milt said, if there's going to be a trade, yes, this is who I'm going to need. Uh-huh. You know, it's not yeah. really, you're not really like shopping a guy here. where it's like, you know, if, if, if yeah, someone got, throw if, some stuff at me, it's like, nah, this exactly. doesn't start. You should, if you this should name always listen. I hate when people are like, you know, make a he's big deal about her. Yeah. Like, oh, we're going to trade Rubio now because he's listening about offers. You should always listen. That's sure. what Milt said. And I think it was just a smart answer where he's like, it behooves me to always 
just listen because yeah. who knows? Maybe someone's an idiot. They're going to be like, hey, we'll trade you uh, Kevin Durant for, you know. Yeah, you don't know what their, what their, what's going on in their front office behind the scenes. Right. What, maybe their owner came down and is pissed off and wants this guy or really wants to make the playoffs suddenly or something. It's and- frustrating me that for the past three or four years, like, GMs have just been having like taking turns, taking runs at the Canes and exploiting, <laughs> exploiting the Canes yeah. and just robbing the cupboard. Like it's a Ooh. loot. Like the store is being looted. The, the shelves Sixers are almost empty. And I'm like, I don't know why the wolves haven't just like gone in and looted. Like there's uh, only so much as, to go around. I know that looting is wrong, but if everyone else is looting, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like we should have plundered the Canes a little bit more. It seems like, yeah, that's a front office that doesn't have it together. You know, Chris Middleton just signed with the bucks. He's a guy, you know, I think, you know, consensus around the league awesome, is going to be an awesome deal. Really, people like his game. Great all around player, great, great shooter. Player. Someone the Wolves could have really used. So, you know, that's, you know, this is kind of less about Middleton, what we want to talk about, and more about. Zach Lowe taking a look at Ricky Rubio. We always like right, when our, exactly. especially when it's our favorite writer, takes a look at our team and stuff like that. But it's it, such a it, treat it, because uh, yeah. Zach writes about, I think this is a great thing about Zach is he tries to write about all the teams. He'll he'll do a mm-hmm. huge breakdown of the Pistons or the Jazz or it's just not like, Throughout the it's season, not just he like tries the to make big market way. teams, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he treats them uh, and is very thorough and knowledgeable about it. Yeah. It seems like everyone. I know Jonah carries like that for baseball for me and when he writes about the Twins, it's like, <laughs> shut it down. It's special. I'm saving this for my lunch break so I can enjoy it you know that kind of thing yeah and so yeah it's great to see it uh my favorite writer and getting attention nationally especially when he has an opinion that I agree with yeah it's a player we feel passionate about a player that you know within the Wolves community gets lots of uh you know there's lots of uh polarizing opinions I guess about Ricky some people think you know that he's uh needs to you know maybe the next guy out of town we need to find a new a new point guard maybe one who can shoot the ball uh but you know I think there's lots of uh Rubio defenders um uh with the team as well and we're we're in that camp and it's nice to see yeah you know zach zach lowe's piece didn't exactly say like ricky can can be the you know the, your your point guard on a playoff contending team but he really kind of leaves it open to say it's very interesting and I, I i'm not down on him right you know he's more open-minded about what ricky could be on a better team yeah and he's very i think fair about the idea that he i mean he's very much ricky can't shoot yeah. <laughs> and I I realize that I'm biased. It's clear. <laughs> you know, I think we all have biases, but sometimes you realize that, like, I'm a Ricky Rubio apologist. Yes. Or, I, like, I, I feel like I'm a Kanye West apologist sometimes, where, like, Kanye, yes. like, has all these crazy tweets, but I respect <laughs> Kanye the artist, and I respect his music so much. And, like, there's a lot of people who just, like, oh, he's dumb. He's not a real musician because he's a rapper. And, and some people dismiss him, like, oh, he's mean, so, like, that means I won't listen to his yeah. music. And, like, those people, it's kind of like that's the level of... Rubio fans who are just like he can't shoot that's like the fans who don't even watch Timberwolves games that's uh-huh. like you know fans of like the Lakers will be like oh Ricky he's just a non-shooter no defense wispy like nothing guy you know yes and that's kind of like the base level we don't pay that much attention opinion about it and yeah. then like on the flip side of it is like I'm defending Kanye over like stuff I'm I'm, I'm not defending him but I'm just like because I'm not <laughs> tweeting or anything but I'm feeling like I'm reading tweets online people are like that was a mean tweet where I'm like yeah well that's you know I'm always looking for a reason to like defend him just because there's so much dumb hate on Kanye that 
I just feel reflexive even when there's a smart one. Because usually sure. the reflex is that's dumb criticism because there's so much dumb criticism that it, you get reflexive against real criticism, I think. I think with both the... And that's those, substitute Kanye with Ricky Rubio and we're on the same page kind of. I think with both of them, it's a problem of, you know, there are th- ways you can poke holes. But when you look, it's take a step back and look at the overall product it's it's amazing you know that's that's where it's at you know with kanye people you know unfortunately they look at uh his uh his boneheaded tweets or the you know the way he talks about women or they nitpick at certain things and then for some and reason some of them that's are the and reason, those are legitimate criticisms. of course of course not trying to argue those things but you know uh that's not a reason to not enjoy his music in my opinion or right. you know not value his uh his artistry like and you, it's the same you thing you could say like you know when kanye says that like he's the best artist of all time or it's the best album of all time time or he deserves all the Grammys you can disagree with that but just say that he's not a good musician at this point is just ridiculous it's just like to say he doesn't have talent is just ridiculous and it's the same with Ricky he and, can't shoot the ball that's a problem but he brings so much more in the rest of the court uh, so you know you look take take a zoom zoom out and take a bigger look and and there's lots of value there uh, Scott what are some other things that Zach brought up uh, in the piece uh, that you, that you liked about about the types of things he look he sees in Ricky's game. I think that you know Zach, like I said, was just straight up. He's a bad shooter. Um, whereas I feel like he's still improving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's not afraid of shooting anymore. It seems like, especially post All Star break, he's been very aggressive driving to the hoop for layups. He's been very aggressive uh, taking multiple threes in a game or calling his number multiple times if he misses. Uh, I forget what game it was in the past week. Maybe no, I, I won't be able to remember it. But he, uh, <laughs> you know, made every time he made a really dumb play, he like blew two layups in the first quarter or something Ooh, like yeah. wide open layups. But every time he like stole the ball and came back and hit a jumper, where he was so angry at himself. He just took the ball back. And I think that, you know, I think he's finding himself there. And I think that he can still become a good shooter. He's been shooting the three really well lately. And if he can just start nailing threes at a good rate, like he has been for the past few games, if he can make that a regular thing, especially in the future, like that's going to create so much more space. You won't be able to go under all the screens and things like that. Yeah, totally. He just needs to, you know, keep keep getting the shots up. And for me, it's about making layups. He's got to continue to, like you said, keep driving, keep making shots at the hoop. Those are the easy ones. I, I believe he can become a better shooter around the rim. I, you know, we always harp on his lack of a floater, but it's not just that. It's even other sorts of shots in the paint. He can improve on those, and his overall percentage uh, will rise. Do you know what Allen Iverson said? Why he was so good? No, why? Because he visualized himself doing all the moves before it would happen. Before he made all Aha. the twists and turns and the crossovers, like he visualized himself doing it. And see I think it. that's the problem it. with Ricky right now is he's not visualizing himself taking these shots. A lot of yeah. his problems on offense is he's a bad shooter because he's jumping, looking for another person to pass it to. He's not looking at the rim. He's thinking about passing even as he's going up. So that's a huge difference now that he's calling his own number. He's being aggressive about scoring because I think that that mindset flip is a huge difference. Absolutely. And I think that once Wiggins makes that mindset flip from the three-point range, he's going to start nail- nailing them too. I think Wiggins is kind of bad at the three sometimes because he hesitates like he thinks, should I drive should i pass uh-huh. uh, I, indecision uh, okay i guess i guess i should throw it up he's not like confident about it the way you see hungry shooters get he needs to be more thirsty for that shot moving on to our next topic scott uh some people uh this week it's been a national sort of league topic of choice should the league move the three-point line back a little bit you know people talking a little too easy 
hit that three. Lots of threes going up. Um, Just the way the all, ma- all-time records as far as threes made, threes taken. That's a trend in the league. We've talking about we've talking we've talked about uh-huh. this on the podcast early in the season about how modern day analytics people realize the value of the three point shot. Yeah. That if you sh- shoot fifty percent on two pointers. Or you shoot 30, 33% on three-pointers, yeah. you get to 100 at the exact same time. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. So you could shoot 33% from three and be as effective as going 50% on two. So we already talked about that math. But what if we change the math? A lot of people are thinking about changing the court. Ooh. What if you change like the distance? What if uh-huh. we... Uh, the, all these wacky solutions, and I've enjoyed hearing them, but the one that I don't think gets enough attention is... How about instead of going by twos and threes, we go by threes and fours? Oh, the Antoine Walker shot. The fours. Yeah, he it. can shoot fours. <laughs> That's All a right. great point. So it is it a it line beyond another line? Like there's a slightly longer four-point line? No, or there's is no more everything threes. In, everything inside the line is three-pointers? Let's just put it this way, Neil. fours outside. We, have a, we play a weekly pickup basketball game together with uh, a fr- few of our friends and hopefully a few of our listeners. Uh, by that I mean I hope the guys we play with actually listen to our effing yeah. pod and, uh, but what I meant to say is that last week we decided to play by twos and threes instead of ones and oh, twos yeah, yeah. and it made a huge difference in our game because it just got to the point where you could have a team of like all the biggest guys and they couldn't uh, win a, even a simple pickup game <laughs> because it all just came to jacking up twos because when a three pointer in this case a two pointer is we're double the points instead of just it's ones and twos. So you get double the points for hitting a three that, you know, it it gets, it just overemphasizes the three. Everyone was shooting threes. And so this week we changed it to twos and threes. That way a three was only worth, what is it? 66%. Yeah. I don't, I'm bad at the percentage. Yeah. But the point being that everyone started, uh, they started valuing the three correctly. It's not like it wiped out the three. It was still nice to get a three. People uh-huh. still took threes, but it wasn't the only goal. They weren't just hunting threes. There was a lot more uh, play all around the court. It made for a much better game. It resembled basketball a lot more, and I think that's what people want. So yep. cut out. There's no more two-pointers, Neil. <laughs> there No gone. more two-pointers. And some people will be like, well, well then you're going to mess with the NBA record book. Well, that happens anyways. Every rule change messes with the how stats are kept. And people will just are smart enough to look back at NBA history and be like, well, it's different for LeBron in 2010 to average 28 points when in yeah. 2020 he would have averaged 40 points. Or I don't know what it is when you start counting by threes and fours. But that's an easy way to just, we'll get used to it quickly. And once a three-pointer is only worth, you know, what, 75%? Ah, man. I, I'm really math. bad at math, Do you guys. Math. Oh, man, I'm sorry. But you know what I'm saying. It's worth less. I think that would uh, is, it'd be worth talking about. I, I want to have some of the very smart MBA writers that I follow write about it because I want their brain power on it. To yeah, tell I think um, things should stay the same and it'll all even out on its own. It's all good. You know, I think things like this correct themselves naturally. There's going to oh, be. Oh, so you're saying just leave it. I think that, I think that's, uh, you know, the most likely path. And, you know, I'm always open to fun rule change ideas and stuff like this. I think changing the court dimensions would be huge, um, you know, uh, logistically from most things. Yeah. I have no problem with the history of the NBA uh, being tarnished or changed or whatever. But, you know, I think this is more of an ebb and flow of styles in the league. And, you know, maybe there'll be smaller rule change, kind of like the hand check thing, which, you know, did have big change, big uh, effects. But it was a small change, I guess, in the sense of it didn't alter the court dimensions or a line or something like that. You know, I think, you know, stylistically, the game can ebb and flow and, you know, it'll come back to paint paint present soon enough sure. and then there, it'll go back to the pendulum. Exactly. We've used that word before. The only question um, about me right now is the concern I have is that, you know, five years after Jordan's out of the league, everyone who's coming into the league is playing like Jordan. 
and like everyone, you know, after yeah, a Curry's superstar, next. That's Curry's what I'm next. Like every kid in every gym right now is just going crazy on shooting threes. And when they hit the league, shooting threes is just going to be a layup for those kids. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Is he, I, I can't wait to see what, how Curry changes the next generation of kids growing up. Cause yeah, I think really, they, uh, did you see that insane, like Mankato state, whatever game it was, they showed some of the clips on FSN. It was this crazy, uh, Minnesota uh, high school league game that went to four overtimes and they, uh, if you watch the Wolves games, you'll have seen the the clips because they played them a couple oh, times on the Wolves. And, and they had the kids at the arena. Yeah, and, and the they kid, had the kids. At well, the no, game. this wasn't at Target Center, but this was uh, just like grainy footage oh, from a high school game that went into four overtimes. But then they brought the kids to the game. Is they what brought I'm the saying. kids to the game. They, yes, they were correct. guests at the game. Yeah, you're right I'm about saying. that. So yeah, exactly what that is. But those kids were just nailing all these like <laughs> just buzzer beaters. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the the, the, the next generation of uh, oh, ballers are chuckers. Oh, it's gonna get worse before it gets better if you if you think three pointers are a problem. It's gonna get worse yeah. before it gets better. But uh, I think in time. Uh, Before we move on from threes, though, I have one final question. Of course. Once again, I want the brain power of our listeners. Yeah, this is for the crowd. People who who have opinions. I want to hear it from you. Why are three-point shots called from downtown? Shouldn't the paint be downtown? Three should be from the suburbs. We got to get to the bottom of this. The paint is the center. We have to learn. Downtown is the center of the city. We have to figure out where that phrase comes from. There must be a historical precedent. There must be some sort of you know, person or announcer or somebody who, you know, brought this into Vogue, maybe they have the maybe, answers. Maybe they brought it into Vogue and their arena was slightly out of the city. I could see it. If your arena was like, like you I know. I bet it's something as simple as that. <laughs> yeah, I, if, if uh, you know, they scored in, in uh, what's the Golden State Warriors? Uh, Oracle, Oracle Arena. Yeah. If they score in the Oracle, you could be like, from downtown San Fran, because yeah, that's, that's that's far way away. out there, yes. But for like, uh, you know, the Chargers Center, the heart of downtown Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Yeah. Say it's from downtown. Yeah, most just... arena, most NBA arenas are in the downtown area. Right. So, I mean, just weird. I think you should say, like, from the suburbs, from the rural areas. <laughs> Scott, the Wolves uh, brought on uh, new uh, new Timberwolf Greg Smith last, uh, last week. We talked to him about it a little bit. You've dug deeper since then. You've figured out some fun facts um, about the newest wolf, why don't you uh, let us let us know what you found out? Some fun things that we can, you know, maybe get to know him a little bit better, so we can enjoy him a little bit more when he's on the court. Absolutely, I. It's easy to look at the stat sheet and kind of get an idea of what the player's career has been like. It's mm-hmm. easy to see the numbers. He's this tall and this heavy. Yeah. But I think that we all enjoy the game because of the personalities that there are. Yeah, of course. And so I wanted to know. So we love the league. Who is Greg Smith? Who is this man? And let me tell you, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it took some internet sleuthing because that's a super tough player to Google. Greg Smith. That like name, said, Greg Smith. Boring name. Boring name. Very common name. Very common name. Yeah. And so very hard to find online, especially because he's a very small online profile. He's got like, I didn't see any Twitter accounts when I was searching or Instagram. But it, wow. his name is so generic that it's he could have a Twitter actually that I didn't see because there was like Greg Smith, like business CEOs coming up when I was searching Greg Smith, MBA. Okay. So there's lots of Greg Smiths in the world. Just to accentuate it. Uh, his Wikipedia title, if you go to his Wikipedia page, isn't Greg Smith or Greg Smith, MBA player. It's Greg Smith, parentheses, basketball, comma, Born 1991, close parentheses. There's a comma in the middle of his definer. He's not even the most famous Craig Smith NBA player. Fun fact. So, that's, uh, I, I went sleuthing, though, and I found some stuff. First, went to high school in Fresno. Neil. California. Just in case anyone asks you, from? Uh, uh, from college, uh, I don't know, where? Fresno State. Oh, State right. Stay close to home. He's a little bit of a homebody. In fact, 
He went uh, playing the Mexico League. So confusing. It's like during the, the lockout. School. Yeah, he struggled. He said when I first got there, it was difficult for me being away from family in a different country. Mm. He's a homebody, but for a homebody, he had to travel a lot <laughs> in his career. We'll talk about that in a second. First, another fun fact about him: Greg Smith said he learned his pick and roll game at Fresno State by watching Nash and Amare run the pick and roll for the Phoenix Suns. All right, Stoudemire was his favorite player at the time. Love it. He's got the second large hands ever. The second largest measured hands ever at the combine. I believe Kawhi's ever? number one. He was number one, and I'm pretty sure I heard elsewhere Whoa. that Kawhi's number one. So second largest hands ever. Big hands. All right. I mean, we've always wanted to see Kawhi and Boban put their hands together. Yeah. Now I want to see Kawhi and Greg, Greg Smith. Smith put Next their time hands you're watching together. Greg Smith on the court, watch how he can palm that basketball like nothing. He's yeah. got gigantic hands. And you know, That's a great one. I like that one. Absolutely. Next up, our next fun fact. He admires his mother, Cheryl Duxworth, Aww. as a, his hero because she taught him to never give up, and it shows. Because here is what Greg Smith's path to the NBA was like. He left college after his sophomore year. Sure, he was going to get drafted. He went undrafted in 2011. Then there was a lockout, so he couldn't find a team. He had to join the Soles de Mexicali of the Liga Nacional de Baloncesto Profesional for 27 games in Mexico. Signed by the Rockets, but he was cut without playing a game. He was cut the day before Christmas. Ouch. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. There's no Christmas bonus for you this year. <laughs> he got signed by the Rio Grande Valley Vipers of the NBA D-League. And from there, got re-signed by Houston. After two seasons with the Rockets, he suffered a bad knee injury. They waived him. Signed for the Bulls, but he didn't play at all with the Bulls because of his knee injury. He played 42 games with the Mavs the next season. After that... He left and started playing for the Raptors 905 at the beginning of this year, which was the D-League team in Toronto. Now he's with the Timberwolves. His mom told him to never give up. Never give up. You've reached the NBA. He has (laughs) played 136 games in five seasons. So hopefully he can, uh, he scored 568 points in 1,700 career minutes. So he's he's earning those minutes. He's working hard, but he has his work cut out for him if he's ever going to pass Greg Smith, parentheses, basketball, comma, born 1947 was a much more famous NBA player, or at least a lot more accomplished NBA player. He played 525 games in eight seasons, scored 4,200 points in his career, and he won the 1971 championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. So Greg Smith of the Timberwolves, I hope you stick around. If your toe injury is bad, we're not going to sign you with a second 10-day contract. And people are going to be like, man, this is a weird segment of the podcast because they talked about him right before he got cut, and then he was never in the NBA again. Toe infection. I believe in Greg Smith, though. I think there's a place for him. Keep working hard, Greg Smith. Scott, thanks for doing some digging on Greg Smith. Greg Smith. Appreciate your research. That's cool. (laughs) I hope he gets another 10 days at least so people can enjoy that knowledge. All right, before we go move on with the show, we have to pay the bills. We got to talk about our sponsor. Selling out to the man. We, um, you know, this is a very expensive show to make. There's lots of uh, of mouths to feed, lots of uh, microphones to pay for, stuff like that. Neil, I may work for my day job in public radio, but this is corporate radio. Yeah. We sell. We spe- we, we're selling it. We're selling sponsorships. And this week's sponsor is KG College. That's right. It's a college that you can go to and learn some things that is founded by Kevin Garnett himself. KG College, where anything is possible. So That's K- right. KG has his own college. Amazing. And yet he's never been to college. Amazing. I don't know how that works, but, uh, you know, KG... You know, decided one day. You know, I'm I'm a good I'm a good uh, you know role model. I'm a good you know someone to be on the court and show you what to do. Why don't I take that in the classroom? Set some examples. 
Well, he definitely seems like he has a lot to teach. So KG College sent us a packet of all their course loads wow. that you could take. So many. Let's go through some of these courses they have. Okay. Of course, the number one school accredited university in the country that has a course in illegal screens. Oh, yeah. How to set them, how to make those legs wide, how to move a little bit, how to give a little hip and not get that whistle. That's the important thing, not get that whistle. That final test is going to be not getting that whistle. Also, of course, with KG, you're going to have trash talking. So there's a whole series of courses uh, in in trash talking, trash talking 101, how to pick a mark. You know, you got to find out who your who your man is that you're going to you know start bugging. So that's very important. Uh, there's philosophical courses like advanced intense thinking theory. It's, a, it's intensity theory where you explore the ideas of intense thinking and refine your knowledge of intensity. Absolutely. Also, uh, another course that you can take is Crazy Face. Um, you know, obviously, uh, this is where you learn how to, you know, contort your face um, to intimidate your opponents and to really, you know, anything in your life that you might need, you know, a different face for. KG's got that. He's got the crazy face going on. He's going to teach you that in uh, the crazy face course. And that takes place in the theater. That's in our performing yes. arts yes, segment. Yes. We also have Trash Talking 201. That's the more advanced course after you've completed 101. It's about how to make it personal. Mm. It's about how to do a little bit of extra homework beforehand and really put in a jive that will, you know, cut to the bone. Something that people would say that crossed a line. <laughs> yeah, also there's a vocal program, uh, Screaming Without Abandon. That is, um, you know, there's lots of different uh, choral and, uh, you know, again, theater exercises and classes about uh, how to learn that. Screaming Without Abandon, very important at KG College that you can just just really let one go into the ether. So We can all scream, abandon. but how many of us can truly scream without <laughs> abandon? Exactly. We have the summertime beach workouts. Our mm. campus is set on a gorgeous body of water. Lovely. And there's a beach right next to it. And you have to go running at dawn in the beach, but that's a great way to, you know, keep your body right for 20 plus seasons in the National Basketball Association. Our final trash talking class, Trash Talking 301, Fake Fight Scuffles. That's right. Uh, a normal fight is not going to break out. Um, of course, we've all watched NBA games. They're fake fights, you know. It's a lot of jawing, a lot of gesturing, a lot of, you know, challenging your opponent, but you never touch them. You know, it's fake fighting. Very important. You, you gotta live to trash talk another day, but you wanna look tough. You don't <laughs> yeah. want it to look fake. Yes. You gotta look like, you gotta get your reputation to uphold. Of course. That's part of the coursework, is you have to uphold your reputation throughout the course. <laughs> if you let your rep drop far enough, it's you gotta retake thing, it. thing, yeah. That's right. There's also advanced coursework. Our graduate program is Face of the Franchise Training. Oh, yeah, very important. Not many people are accepted into this level of classwork, but it's about, you know, how to handle the responsibility of being the leading, you know, poster athlete of an elite organization, whether that's, uh, you know, an elite organization in business and you're the poster athlete of that business you're at. Yep. Maybe it's a culinary thing and you got to be the poster athlete of your chef team. Either way, you're going to learn how to handle the pressure, how to handle the press, how to make sure that the fan base loves you and not do anything that's going to embarrass them in the media. Scott, KG College has plenty of guest professors talking Paul Pierce, Joe Smith, Sam Cassell, Gary Payton, and uh, Doc Rivers, but uh, he's not an actual PhD, so just just remember just that. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of cool guest professors, though. Picture yourself at a university created by the very person who made Skipping College popular, KG College. That's right. Make sure you mention Timberwolves, the podcast, on your scholarship application for an increased chance at receiving financial aid. So when you think about your post-secondary education, remember, KG College, where anything is possible. Scott, let's get some mail. Mailbag time. It's a mailbag. 
It's a mailbag. It's a muck 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 mailbag. It's a mailbag. It's a mailbag. It's a muck 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 mailbag. Letters on letters like the alphabet, yo. This segment's called Mailbag. So if you got a question about the wolves, let us know. There's a good chance that we'll read it on the show. Yeah, send us your letters. Send us your messages. Send us your carrier pigeons. We want to hear from you. Yeah. Let's dig into the, all of this mail. There's a huge pile of mail here, and it is time to read it. Scott, you ready for mailbag? I got my box opener, my letter opener. It's yeah. Like a knife for letters. First one comes to us from Ray. He writes, hey, guys, with Levine in the starting lineup and Miller getting bought out, Tyus Jones has taken over the title of backup point guard for the rest of the year. What do you think of his game and how he fits with the team? Thanks for the male Ray. Appreciate it. Cool. Great question. All right, Tyus. Yep, that's right. Tyus uh, playing a lot of minutes these days, backing I, up Ricky Rubio, doing his thing. Very popular in the state of Minnesota. That cannot be underestimated. It's amazing to be at Target Center when Tyus comes into the game. You've never seen a bench guy get such an ovation when he comes in. People right. really like Tyus. It's there's a, a, lot yeah. of, there's a lot of Tyus love. Yeah. And who can blame him? Right now we have the Minnesota High School State Tournament going on. Oh, it's huge. Two years ago, <laughs> Tyus won it for Apple Valley. His little brother just won it for Apple Valley last year. Yeah. So, you know, I can understand the love in the state. I love him. Yeah. I want him to do well. You've been on board with Tyus before we even drafted him. I was hoping I it could that. happen. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I saw Tyus play in high school. I yeah, went to Apple some high school games of Tyus. Yeah. I saw him play with uh, against Rashad Vaughn, which is funny, <laughs> you know, because he's playing for Milwaukee. Yeah. And I hope Travis Reed can uh, stay healthy enough at Stanford to get a good season. So what are we seeing from Tyus on the floor? What's uh, what, what, what do you think of his game and uh, how he fits, Scott? I think he's already a better backup point guard than Zach. Mm, absolutely. He's, he's, got, got, he's got point guard tendencies, whereas Zach, uh, you know, was a head scratcher. I should say, though, like, <laughs> I don't want it to seem like we're, like, head over heels over Tyus. He's got a lot of limitations. Of course. I don't know if he's an NBA player right now. But I mean, but right that, now he's not an NBA player. And, and the question is, can he ever become one at his size disadvantage and his athleticism disadvantage? But that's what's so funny is the fact that already, even with all this being said, he's a better point guard than, than Zach Levine. <laughs> yeah, he is just like, a, uh, you know... A, Point guard to the core. He's yes. not one of those combo guards. He's a point guard. Yeah. I thought about that even when I saw him in high school. He just ran the floor like CP3. In high school, sometimes you just let your talent just dominate. But he was always setting up his teammates, putting himself at the right angles, making the smart passes. And that's the kind of thing he's going to have to do to succeed at his height. Yeah, I like that he can shoot it. You know, that's something the Wolves definitely need, obviously. You know, they're, they don't shoot many threes. Tyus has been able to knock down some corner threes so far. And I like that he has that range to his game. That's, I'm already that's nice. more, I'm most confident in his shot. When his mm, shot yeah. goes up, I, I like shout three. I Looks put the good. hands up, I start cheering. Like, I just know when this shot goes up. If he can plant his feet, as long as he doesn't take yep. like a runner or something, if he can plant his feet and take a look at the rim. He's going to nail it. I yeah. think he's, uh, that's great. That's great to have. Now, shots at the rim, those are getting blocked. Those are getting <laughs> blocked getting, a lot. He's getting blocked a lot right now. And that's okay. That's how it goes when you're a rookie. It's how it goes when you're very, very short, like Tyus. Very reminiscent <laughs> of uh, uh, Ricky's rookie year. Yeah. Ricky, I mean, remember when Ricky used to get stuff like that like three or four times a game? Yeah. Just where you try to I'm, sneak one in. Totally. And now he knows what he needs to do to actually sneak it in. Yeah. He's doing a lot better with, uh, you know, shots at the rim. But Tyus will learn that too. Right now, he's just not used to that kind of NBA athleticism he hasn't played enough minutes to kind of understand like oh yeah that amount of space that most people can't cover uh, yeah uh, this is the nba he can cover that space in one jump scott you, know? you think that the tyus should pay attention to kemba walker and the moves that he is and the changes he has made to his game is another you know shorty out there kemba's balling right now kemba's he lit great. us on fire yeah 
Kemba's Kemba, uh, crazy right Jim now. Pete, he, Jim Pete called him a five alarm fire. <laughs> I couldn't be happier for Kemba. I've always liked so his, much game, to his but game. I always thought like, yeah, he was going to be a player who was like, well, he can score, but he doesn't have the, like, else? Yeah. He, he doesn't have like the length or he doesn't have like an NBA, yeah. you know, kind of freakish body where mm-hmm. he's going to be able to defend his spot. He's always going to be undersized. Yeah. And so like, you have to be so good on offense to make up for being an undersized point guard. But uh, Kemba does it with flair. He's, he's just, all about creating little bits of space for himself, taking great shots, caught fire. I think if uh, Tyus could get like whatever confidence he has bottled up, get a little vial of that confidence that of the Kemba juice, that would be good. Another guy, Shorty, that I think uh, he should take a look at is your friend of mine, JJ Barea. Mm. You know, who's another you know obviously one of the shortest guys in the league. But he knows JJ how to use his body to create separation, though that he can like you don't see JJ getting never gets a shot on those shots. Yeah, never gets a shot. He block. knows how to put his body into you in a way where he can yeah. protect it with his arm. Also, Kemba and Tyus both Final Four MVPs. For the Scott, anything for else on anything else on Tyus? Um, you know, I was going to say that he just kills our defense right now. Yeah. Um, eh. he can't defend at all, which is to be expected. Not only is he a rookie who has not had any really reps in the NBA. Yet, yeah, but uh, he also has a size disadvantage. Uh, he's very small, mm. he'll get stronger. I'm not sure if he'll get taller, yeah, but uh, I, I think he really needs to start working out because right now he has lost both, uh, he's at a physical disadvantage and he's at a strategic disadvantage on defense. So he's murdering us on defense. This is like tank, like subtle tanking, very subtle tanking is when you <laughs> see Tyus and AP getting minutes together yep. because we just get run off the floor. Like our starters will get us a little lead or play very competitively, yep. and then they'll be like, okay, let's have Tyus and AP on the court, and then we just get shredded like cheese, you know. Scott, our next question comes to us from John at JB John Bender on Twitter, friend of the show. Not his first time writing in. Always sends us great questions. Uh, this week he writes, how do you deal with people who like college basketball that claim that the NBA players don't play defense and their other dumb gripes? So a question from John. Thanks, John, for the question. It's that time of the year. Our next segment is going to have more to do with this. But yes, indeed, it is, uh, it is March Madness. It is college basketball time, and the games of, of the NBA and the, versus college basketball, very, very different. Two totally kind of different things, especially these days. Uh, so, yeah, lots of people like to say, oh, I like college because they actually hustle and they actually yeah. play defense. When, like, lots of stuff like this. Maybe what like, do you say to them? What, what, what do we say? Half of 1% of college basketball will be drafted into the NBA this year, <laughs> and only 10 of them will actually be good NBA players. Right. Um, there's just a world level of difference in talent. I think it's it's easier to play defense when you're kind of on the same like athletic plane as the guy in front of you where it's like you can't really beat me with just like an explosive step whereas yeah. in the NBA the, they're so explosive that you know it's just like you can rush by a guy even good defenders get rushed by and that's why defense in the NBA is so focused on help defense and things like that and, you know, I'll also say this. Pick up basketball. I can't score with a lick, so I try a lot harder on defense. You, you, you'll you notice that when you watch the tournament next week, everybody. Sure. You'll notice these teams <laughs> that can't score that are, like, awkwardly just, like, taking the shot clock down and hoisting up, like, a lawn two and yeah. having it bounce off. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is college basketball, everybody. Uh, you'll notice that's maybe why the defense is good, too. Is It's that... It seems better because the uh, offensive players are worse. Yeah, and I think the main difference of you know people, I think that they're just it's a problem because there's two different types of people. They're very different games, NBA and college. Very different types of people who like either game. I think a lot of people who really like college basketball come from maybe maybe they went to school at a place where the college basketball team is great, so they can continue to follow that as a, as an alumni. Um, so I think there's that. I uh, went to Northwestern, so I went 
don't know anything about that, Neil. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you have a team and they play. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think there's sometimes some of even that. on so, TV and that kind of thing, you can't really talk out of somebody. You can't say, "I don't follow your alumna, your team that you went to school for right. that you love." Like, don't do that. So you know, I think it's just a matter of I, preference. I, I understand a hundred percent because I don't like the NFL, but I like college football <laughs> because of Northwestern. I like watching Northwestern football. If Northwestern uh, didn't have a football team, I wouldn't watch college football either, you know? But, like, <laughs> yeah, totally. I do prefer the college game just because of the alumni ties. Yeah, so I guess to answer the question, what I do with people who primarily only watch college basketball is try to let people understand that there is plenty of defense in the NBA, try and give them some examples, and then also try and, you know, help them understand that the NBA is about the greatest athletes in the world competing, and to kind of think of it less as about, like, this team unit that you know, uh, you hustle so hard and this stuff happens in the NBA. It just looks different. Um, but, and, and focus more on the individual players and the amazing things they're doing on the courts. I think that's a good way to kind of get someone who is watching college basketball primarily into the NBA. And I think the reason why we love watching the March Madness tournament is, uh, the upsets, the, the moment, momentum can be a huge factor. <laughs> yeah. Like players can choke. They can shrink in the moment in a way that professional players don't. And because of that, like it shows like that's why I like college football more, too, is there's more momentum shifting based on like feelings and crowds and home stadiums and stuff like that. I think that's the appeal of college sports. Scott, speaking of college sports, it's time to go skimming for Simmons. We're skimming for Simmons. Because we ain't winning. Yeah, we're skimming for Simmons. Yes, indeed. It's a special March Madness lottery pick edition of Skimming for Simmons. Luckily, the Minnesota Timberwolves will have a top five pick again. Luckily, yes. in the sense that we're going to get an assets, not luckily as in we have one of the worst five records in the league. Uh, but yes, so we have been... Uh, you I'm going to toot my own horn here Okay. for the first time in this podcast. There'll be two times I toot it. This is the first of two. And I want to say that some people out there are making the prediction now. They're like, well, I'm going to predict that the Timberwolves will get the five pick. Mm. We locked that in like a month ago. We locked it in. We said lock it in. Well, are you talking about the lottery or are you talking about the odds? The odds. I mean, the like odds. where we're going to end up in the final ranking. Yes. That's, a, that's well, like, pretty who knows much where, for how sure. the ping pong balls will come out. And so, that, ping pong is also a word I should never say on the podcast because I can't pronounce either part of that hyphenated <laughs> word. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm going to cringe when I hear this tomorrow. So we're going to talk about some college basketball players and teams. We should say that, um, uh, at least for me, I have not watched any college basketball this year. Um, you know, it is championship week right now. All the all the um, conferences are having their tournaments, and then the big tournament starts next week. This is when we start watching college basketball over here at Timberwolves, the podcast. But we've done a little homework on some guys based on some draft websites and some videos and stuff like that. So we're starting to do our homework a little bit, right. but we... We haven't really watched too much college basketball, so take it for what it's worth. And we're also going to talk about some guys later. Like I know that people who are paying attention, or even if you're not paying attention, there's two players that I think uh, a lot of people are linking with the Wolves who won't be participating in the tournament next week. That's Chris Dunn from Providence and uh, 
Hen- and Mr. Simmons. Henry. Oh, Ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons well, we're not catching Ben Simmons. It's called skimming for Simmons, but he's not an attorney either. <laughs> this is going to be only about players that are in the tournament this week. We'll focus yep. about other guys. No Dragon Bender. No Dragon Bender, who's uh, international. Right. Those are other guys. So yeah, maybe we get close to the draft. We'll, we'll, and we know, you know, a little bit more. We'll maybe dig into this again. But we're talking about right now guys whose teams are for sure going to be in, in the um, in the big tournament and and who you can watch and kind of have an eye on them as potential Timberwolves for next year. All right, we're going to start guy. with Dukes Brandon. Ingram, uh, he's a freshman. He's six nine. He's a you know a, a, a small forward. He's a wing guy. Very strange player though. He's super skinny. Six nine seven three wingspan. <laughs> Crazy. Nineteen years. Really old. weird looking guy. Just just by just staring at him. Right. Um, this is somebody who um, has a nice inside outside game. He's very lanky and tall. Um, uh, his his uh, his strengths are his size, as far as the fact that he's six nine, has a seven three wingspan. Um, he's got great length, shooting, versatility. Uh, the downsides are that he is rail thin. His legs are Corey Brewer esque, uh, Will Barton esque. Um, his energy and effort um, can be a question. That's something that um, you know is is very Wiggins esque, I guess, as far as people knocking Wiggins for you know right. being a sleepy eye guy who, yeah, who you know knows? you can't exactly. really tell. That's that is very hard to tell. But that is some of these um, guys just have an inner fire that, that's, that's, that propels them like Wiggins does. That's the knock on Brandon Ingram. Well, I think with Brandon, uh, there's some people even saying you know this is the contrary in opinion this is people saying well maybe Okafor will go first mm-hmm. uh, you know and it was clear Towns would be the number one pick some people are saying maybe Ingram yes. will go before Simmons he's gonna get a tournament and Sim- Simmons is not right and and Ingram's <laughs> been playing great yeah. and I think that the Wolves have no shot of drafting him we're gonna end with once this. we jump up here's the thing we're gonna end with the fifth worst record we locked that in a month ago but that gives us a thirty percent chance of getting a top three pick. If that's you're great. A fifth worst. That's record, great. Thirty percent could you know? end up there. So uh, there's an off chance. I wouldn't, you know, pin my hopes on it. I wouldn't be doing filling out scouting reports for Brandon Ingram. Probably won't happen, everybody. But it's Duke, so you're probably going to watch a few Duke games, uh, anyways. Yeah, so they're going to be as in long it. as you're watching some Duke games. You might be at a bar and see some Duke games on. So at least you know which player to watch. For. Yeah, NBA comps for uh, Ingram, uh, KD, Kevin Durant. Obviously, that's super pie that's in the sky situation. Come. But uh, he has the same sort of super lanky guy who can do it from the outside and the inside. Tayshawn Prince, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You're just, you're just other listing names Yankee there. Guy, the lanky guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Who, Lanky Con. Who, yeah, who have inside outside games. Uh, Scott, tell us about uh, Jalen Brown from California. Now we're getting a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Jalen is actually someone we might draft. Uh, right now, a lot of mock drafts and draft boards have him going maybe uh, three, four, fourth. five. Yeah, yeah, three, four, five. And so he might get be gone before us, but he is uh, playing for California. Go he, Cal Bears. He's 19 right now. He'll be 20 by the time the NBA season starts next year. Mm. So for you know, Tim Rule's purposes, he'd be 20. Um, he's a freshman for Cal, like I said. He's 6'7", 221 in weight right now, 7'1", wingspan. His traits, he's a very good defender. He's very good at jumping, and he's really good at penetrating into the paint. It sounds like he's very much like the same strengths that Wiggins had coming out of college. Lawn, elite, yes. athlete, NBA body, you know, slasher, cutter, finisher at the rim, lives at the free throw line. It all sounds like a very good defender. Uh, it all sounds like Wiggins. He needs yep. to improve his needs handle. Needs to work on the handle, yeah. Yeah, so also sounds like uh, Wiggins right there. So I think that, uh, you know, obviously it'd be weird to have, like, a player of Wiggins' size and skill set when Wiggins is so young. 
But at the same time, why won't you want two Wiggins? You yeah. Know? So. And, 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 you know, we've talked about this before, but the Timberwolves are in a take the best player type of situation. So if this is him, even if you have someone who's very similar, you take them. That's fine. You make it work. Uh, you don't worry about where they're going to be. Are they going to start? Are they going to come off the bench? No, you don't if, worry about that. You you take the best guy and you let it work itself out. If I could start two Wiggins, that would be great. Fantastic. One, that'd be a really good Wayne <laughs> combo. I'll have, them both. I'll have them both, please. Very good on the Wayne. Um, uh, the NBA comparison I saw online is some people saying Jason Richardson. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, watching video of him it reminds me of Harden the way he gets to the line, the way he gets into the paint and gets fouled. Apparently, lives at the foul line. Um, so so that's big. Uh, I saw um, Doogie Wolfson tweet this week. The Wolves have Calvin Booth in Vegas uh, for the Pac-12 tournament. Looking at. Uh, Jalen Brown. Exactly. Who's up, up next? Up next, we have Jamal Murray, uh, the youngster from uh, Kentucky. He uh, is a freshman this year. Point guard, shooting guard, 6'5", uh, 207 pounds. Um, you know, this is somebody who um, I think plays for for Team Canada uh, with uh, with uh, Andrew Wiggins right. in the summers and stuff. So you I'm might have seen him if you've uh, watched any FIBA action um, last year. Combo guard guy, um, you know, can do it uh, on the court as far as dribbling um, and passing and stuff. So, you know, he's a combo guard, might be a point guard, might be a shooting guard. Um, you know, we'll see once he gets into the um, into the league. Um, you know, he's kind of a tweener. That's that's obviously can be an upside or downside. It depends on what you really need. But yeah, he might be. You might need to figure that out as the season goes on. And he's not uh, quite a great uh, athlete as far as quickness or explosiveness goes. Um, Scott, any any opinions? Of Jamal Murray. Did you get to watch any uh, highlights of him? Watching some highlights. Watching some videos. Yeah. Definitely going to watch a lot of him in the tournament because I think yep. right now he is uh, the second best point guard available. Um, he's six four or he's six five. Some. Some have him listed in that range. In that range. Yeah. So he's about Ricky's height. Mm-hmm. Um, so big, big point guard. He's yeah, exactly. Um, some people think he's more of a combo guard. Either way, uh, he's being listed as either the best or the second best point guard on the board. And we've talked about how the Wolves might draft another point guard if they feel like Tyus isn't ready to be the full time backup by next year. Which I don't take think the he best is. guy. Take the best guy. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think that he has a good shot of being a Wolf. So Wolf fans will want to watch him and. Um, you know, it's just fun to watch him play, um, at least what I could tell from the highlights. He uh, is one of the youngest players in college hoops. Like, I think he's, like, mm. one of the 10 youngest players in college hoops. Like, wow. He's 19, but he, like, just turned 19. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he would he would definitely be very young to draft. Uh, NBA so comparison? Oh, yeah, NBA comparison. I was thinking Brandon Roy as a guy that was, like, you know, he didn't have, like, the longest wingspan, he, uh, but he, and he was kind of like a tweener in his size. In fact, Brandon Roy was 6'6", 211. Right now, Jamal Murray is 6'5", 207. Yeah. And, so, and Roy was a combo guard who you wouldn't necessarily think of for his dunking or jumping ability as well, right. you know? Or maybe, like, a less explosive, because we talked about him earlier, like a, l- a less explosive uh, Kemba Walker. Uh-huh. Like someone who knows how to put the bucket in the basket. Yeah. You know? Or I made that. I, <laughs> All the way around. The, no, I said put the bucket in the basket. There's sure. no ball even yeah. in. There. No, we don't need it. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> you know part of it. put the biscuit and in the basket. That's the one I want to go with. So I think he's a guy who could uh, who could just play. Uh, not, people already think he's a tweener. They're not sure about his uh, athleticism. But sometimes these guys can. Uh, you look at a guy like Kemba, like I said, like I was thought he was too small and that he wouldn't make it. And look at him now. Yeah, you know? I think he's got kind of that in him. Moving on, Scott, who do we have next? Well, this is a popular name out there, Buddy Heald from Oklahoma. He's, this is my guy. This you, is my guy. You're cheering for Buddy. Well, this is my uh, searched around the internet, looked at some highlights guy. I'm, okay. I'm looking forward to watching him on, in the tournament. Okay. He will be fun to watch because he has been Buddy probably healed. He's probably been the best player in college basketball this year. Yeah, might win the Wooden Award. We'll he, see. 6'4, mm. 
which would make him tied for the shortest player on the Timberwolves if we drafted him. <laughs> six four, or excuse me, Tyus is the shortest by far. Yeah. Everyone, I'm sorry about no. that. But you know, besides Tyus, yep. everyone is six four or above on the Wolves. So he's six four, two hundred pounds. Uh, he is very good shooter. He's got a very good high IQ of the game. Uh, so like, you know, we really need shooting, and he might be the best shooter in college basketball this year. As far as his strengths, this um, you know listed his strengths. What I really like about him is is how much of a go getter he is. Apparently, he is somebody who practices hard, plays hard, gives effort, dives into the boards, tries to get rebounds as a guard. I love guards who who board and who crash the boards, that kind of thing. So that's what I really like about him is that he seems like you know this is that's the knock on Ingram is that he maybe his motor is a little low. I love. I'd rather go with a guy who's maybe less skilled, but but is really into it and and can really give you his all. I love that about Buddy Hield. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm less sold than a lot of people on him. Um, it's fun to see him hit some crazy lawn shots um, and be like, oh yeah, that looks like Steph Curry when he shoots from half court. But I just think that this is like his first like really good year. He had to wait until like to take the jump from junior to senior. Well, yeah, that's something you haven't said. I don't think either is that he's twenty two. He's twenty two. <laughs> he's twenty two years old. He's, he's the older guy here, necessarily. Yeah. But it is important to recognize that like he's doing uh, some great stuff in the league right now. But he's playing against uh, and these other guys we're talking about are nineteen, not much younger. And so like you know he's just developmentally a lot that's farther along. He took four years to get this good in college, and now he's only this good with an older guy. That's what you worry about is that they maybe have are closer to their you know their peak or um, what they not their peak. Obviously, they're going to be better as a player, but that the, the skill set that they have they've is, learned is the more environment. Solid. They've kind of settled into the college environment. So yeah. like seniors, sometimes uh, you'll see them. They're really good because they've been playing in the college environment for four years, and they're very comfortable there. And uh, yeah. so it's just like it's hard to tell. CJ McCollum is a comp you have here, Scott, and that's someone that I was thinking of too. That'd be that'd be wonderful. Obviously, that's another high and Harden as well here. That's a, those are other pie in the sky situations. But you know, I could see that with his game. You know, as far as uh, being the shooter, kind of an athletic, um, you know, explosive shooter. Um, you know, needs to work on their defense and, and their positioning and stuff like that. But you know, it'd be great to have a guy like uh, CJ McCollum on the team, and hopefully, Buddy Heald can be that for the Wolves if we do indeed draft him. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, five might be a little high. Next guy is uh, Jakob Perdel. Uh, he is playing for Utah right now, University of Utah. Where is where is this gentleman from? Is he from Serbia? Where's where's his home? Yeah, you think I would have brought him uh, down? He's a great big dude, seven footer, um, big man. Um, play. He's a sophomore, so he played uh, for Utah last year. Um, you know, just just size. I mean, that's what you're getting with this guy. He is huge. Um, you, you you're gonna like his uh, his defense, his rebounding, shot blocking, all those things you want from your big man right in the middle, seven footer. Um, coordinated. I've seen in his highlights his ability to put it on the floor. Even uh, that's that's awesome is to be able to do that. Um, as far as his weaknesses, uh, he apparently needs to add strength and improve his low post game. That's kind of interesting. You know that that's kind of a you know for being a seven footer and a guy that lives in the paint to you know have somebody to improve their low post game. That's interesting. Um, this guy you have uh, NBA comparisons to Andrew Bogut. Well, of course, a seven footer white guy from Utah. Yeah, played for Utah right there. That's uh, not Gor- my comparison though. That's what that's, I saw that's, online. Yeah, that's the everyone's that's the comparison. comparison. Yours is Gorgie Zhang. I think he sounds a lot like Gorgie. Um, so the- if 
which makes you think like, oh, well, well we already have a Gorgie. But uh, Gorgie is like 25, 26. Yeah. He'll be 26 next year, I believe, if he's not already. Um, Jakob is 20 right now. He'll be 21 when the season starts next year. So basically you get a fresh lease, really. You're like, okay, this guy's a little bit more age appropriate. If they have any concerns about like Gorgie, like maybe we're getting to Gorgie's ceiling right here. Mm. And, uh, or maybe like Gorgie has expressed that he wants more money than we're going to want to give him. Yeah. That'd be a reason for you to be like, well, here's the center to pair with Towns. Yeah. Now we've got a front court. But I think that uh, it depends very much on like what they're thinking about Gorgie Jane, if they're going to take a player like I love this. that name, Jakob. What Jakob. a name. Yeah. <laughs> to replace a name like Gorgie Jane with Jakob Potel. Potel? Okay, anybody else? Uh, we Burdell. don't have any like profiles on anybody else. Who are some other people we should look for, just real quick, uh, in the in the tournament this year? Scott. Um, Ellenson? Possibly. Ellenson if not if, in if the they make it. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Marquette. I mean, Marquette would have to like win the tournament. Marquette has to win the Big East tournament, but Ellison is somebody that... I would uh, say, though, if we just because we brought him up, that I think people have done? been talking about him a lot, and I'm not sold on him as a lot of people seem. Oh, Ellison, yeah. I think Chad Ford is more sold on him than anybody I've yep. seen online. Chad Ford... I like actually looked up Chad Ford's alma mater tonight while I was doing prep for this show to make sure he didn't go to Marquette because that's how much <laughs> he, really he loves Marquette. <laughs> he is so he's now putting him at the like going maybe top four. five. Oh. He says he might go three if well, uh, and and that's just like crazy because like I feel like his uh, profiles. A lot of people were like, well, he could be like Kevin Love. He could be the stretch four. NBA loves a stretch four these but days. He's only shot twenty eight percent from the college three point line this year. Twenty eight percent. I don't know. If we if we want to draft this guy, let's trade down. You know, Chris Dunn, another player, plays for Providence. They'll be in the tournament. He's a point guard. Providence Someone is in the tournament. To, yeah, actually, I'm not sure of that. Again, we'll see what happens. In which case, uh, with like Chris Dunn is here. like the guy. I think Chris, Chris Dunn, Dunn and the, the Kentucky point guard Jamal Murray. Yes, those are the two that I think right now. Just with the very limited research I've done, I think Jamal Murray and Chris Dunn are the two I'd like to see the Wolves draft. So. All right, that's skimming for Simmons. We're one of the worst teams in the league. We're going to have a good pick. Some of them are playing uh, here in the next month in some big games. Go watch them. Go, go see who you like. All right, Scott, uh, let's close this thing out by uh, playing a game. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so this is a game of either or. Uh, I'm going to give you a name of a high school, okay. and you have to tell me um, if a Timberwolves player attended that school or if it's a fictional school from a TV show, Ooh. specifically a 90s TV show. Ridgedale High. Think Think of that within the 90s In the 90s realm. genre. I never saw Buffy, so I hope you didn't choose one of those. Okay, first one. Sunnydale High. Sunnydale High. That is that a Timberwolves player high school, or is that a fictional school from TV? Sunnydale. It sounds like the Archie Comics one. It definitely sounds fictional. I'm going fictional. You got it, and it is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, right Buffy away, right, right there. I got it, right man. There. Fictional. All right, number two. West Beverly High. Ooh. West Beverly, Timberwolves High School or a fictional high school? Um, this one sounds like it could be either. So I'm going to bet you won't go two heads in a row. I'm going to say it's a uh, Timberwolves. Oh. Sorry, it is a fictional TV uh, show. West two Beverly, in a row. Beverly Hills 90210. I was playing the psychological Beverly game. Beverly Hills 90210. All right, coming up next, Edison High. Edison High. I yes, did the research named. on this. I crunched, <laughs> oh. I crunched the fun facts earlier for Greg Smith. Oh, and ding, ding, ding. Indeed. I remember is. because, one, there's a Edison High in Northeast Minneapolis. <laughs> and They're everywhere. Two, Thomas Edison is a jerk that I hate, and I always see a school's named after him. I'm like, well, I guess there's lakes named after racist people in Minnesota, so you can't do anything about names. Next one, St. Joseph High. St. Joseph High. That's Kevin Martin's school, I believe. 
Well, you're right. This is Timberwolves player, but it's Carl Anthony Towns High School. Carl you get Anthony it right anyway. Towns. You don't have to tell me what player. You just have to say whether it's a Timberwolves player's high school or fictional. You got it right. All right. It's Timberwolves player, Carl Anthony Towns, St. Joseph High. Next one, maybe the easiest one on this list, Scott. Bayside High. Bayside. Is this 90s? I guess it was the early 90s, wasn't it? Uh, Indeed. Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. You even got the show in that one. Saved by the Bell. (laughs) Okay, going up next. I remember when I was in first grade, we had a babysitter (laughs) that let us watch Saved by the Bell, and I thought that was really cool. It was really cool. (laughs) Bayside High. So classic. All right, next one coming to you. Huntington Prep. Huntington Huntington Prep. Prep. Alma mater of both Gorgie Jane and Andrew Wiggins. That's right. Huntington Prep is a Timberwolves high school. Timberwolves player, Andrew Wiggins, and Gorgie, I guess. Yeah. Gorgie, Gorgie's senior year, there was a monster in season. Virginia, West Virginia, one of those two. Yeah. He, he, oh, man. His numbers from his senior er, from his year there is crazy. <laughs> Next one for you. Manuel Dominguez High. Hmm. It's an interesting one here. I'm going to be interested to see what TV show you got this from. Sorry, Scott. That's where Tayshawn Prince went to high school. Oh, <laughs> it's in no. Compton. I was like, what? <laughs> Manuel <laughs> Dominguez. Tayshawn went to school in Compton. I didn't know that. Apparently. So I guess Kendrick Lamar used to be jealous of <laughs> Tayshawn Prince. <laughs> That's right. Okay, we have uh, we got three more. Three more here. Scott, John Adams High. John Adams High. Man. Um, I'm going to say a TV show. You got it. Yes. It's a very cool Shot in the dark. TV show that uh, I know you like. Boy Meets World. Boy Meets World. <laughs> John Adams High. Oh, yeah. I guess that, know, kind of, that kind of rings a bell. You know Boy Meets World. Very next one coming up for you here. Bothell High. Bothell High School. Timberwolves oh. player high school or fictional? That's that's too weird of a name to be fictional. Who would write that as their fictional town name <laughs> or high school name? I'm going to go Timberwolves player. You got it. It is Zach Levine. That's in Washington. Seattle uh, kid. Seattle, indeed. Also, I went to the Wikipedia page for Bothell High. Yeah. Another notable alumnus. The only other one I knew. Graduated in 1993. Death Cab for Cuties. Chris Walla went wow. to school at Bothell High. And so did Zach Levine. Well, now <laughs> I, I, want some, I want You know how we asked, uh, it was a question earlier in the pod yeah. about like if you could ask any of these players anything yes I, well, ask him one thing I, I, I mean that might be a thing to ask Zach about yeah. like how he feels about Death Cab for Cutie how do you feel how do you I feel about sub pop records I'm starting to think it's weird that no one has let us know about Ricky's new back tattoo he's got a cover up tattoo on his neck yeah, covered up the, the old neck. like 79 yeah it's a very elaborate kind of you know geometrical type thing right lots of triangles and stuff in there very interesting we don't have clubhouse access someone who does let us know what's up i want like maybe he won't give you the story about the cover-up or the significance of it but tell us what it looks like i haven't even seen it seen the bottom of it yeah Yeah. all right one more for you scott all right um i think this one's pretty easy farragut academy oh i got that one famous alumni kevin garnett that's right i think i remember a i watched that uh what is it benny it's uh the belly no, the 30 for 30. I oh. think it's Benny. It was about uh, Inglewood, the okay. high school that Rose and Jabari went to. Okay. Uh, they had a, and like a, the best prospect in the country went there, and he got, he got <laughs> shot and killed as a senior in high school. Oh, no. And so they, like, right before he went to the NBA, like, he was going to be drafted. The namesake from the film, I imagine. Yeah. Benny, and uh, it's a super good one. So oh. It's very emotional. Check but, it out. like, one of the stories was they were playing Farragut, and, like, 
the a gang was sitting in the crowd and they rushed the court and it became like this huge fight on the court and like uh, Inglewood had to like retreat into like the locker room and stuff to escape it was oh crazy God, scary alright well you got 8 out of 10 that's pretty good you did a really good job oh man that that's huge somebody at home is winning nice a voicemail nice work you did a great job uh, that's gonna wrap up I know up my high show. schools that's I probably good. I probably did better on that than I did in any of the from challenges we've done yeah I think so wow. I think so alright uh, thank you for joining us everybody this week for our show we really appreciate it the season's winding down and apparently we're in something called the dog days but no we're gonna keep on going more shows coming to you in the upcoming weeks thank you very much for listening and following along and telling all your friends all that good stuff i want to give a shout out shout uh, it, i shout tell it, you about shout it. i tell you to come to trivia every week nick oh nick out there he came to trivia i, sh- oh, I should have shouted him out earlier in the podcast so he didn't have nick. to wait to listen to it but yeah, nick yeah, but came nick if he comes to trivia based on this show he clearly makes it to the end of the podcast every week that's a good point he's currently listening that's true because <laughs> otherwise how would he hear my advertisement yeah he's got you so yeah he came he brought a friend with him he was uh you know definitely got a lot more room on his team for other wolves fans you should come along because i told him i was going to put some wolves questions in there for him <laughs> nice. so don't be afraid it's going to be beautiful this time of year and you want to get outside and do some Patio drinking, patio, patio happy hours, hanging out by the t- by the uh, trail, the train tracks. Yep, and we do a we do a patio trivia, and so come enjoy the weather and come and meet cool folks like Nick. Nick got a special prize just for being a Timberwolves listener. So if you if you come to the pot uh, to the trivia, even if you lose, I'm gonna hook you up with a special prize just You'll for be being rewarded. a listener. Yeah. So you're guaranteed a prize. Love it. Come to Darby's Pub and Grill every Tuesday, 6 p.m. I host trivia. Neil might even come sometime. I will. I'm gonna be there. I love the love the outdoor trivia. So sure does. You bring nice. your dog. Yeah, bring, bring the dog. A, bring a dog. Bring a friend. It's gonna be a good time. You guys, thanks for listening to our episode this week. And until next week, everybody. In the immortal words of future Timberwolf. Joe Kim Noah. When you win, everybody gets to eat. <laughs>